Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Monday morning. If you didn't get a chance to see it, it was absolutely gorgeous. Been some beautiful mornings. Um, of course, you know, some of the people, old timers were saying, uh, what does it mean in the morning? Uh, they always said, red in the morning, sailor's warning, but it was bright red Monday and it didn't rain. So that's not all true, but there was some gorgeous sunsets. So God is just showing out. Now, we didn't have his, I think God's, what he's done is he's given us beautiful sunsets and sunrises in lieu of the lack of rain, which has not given us a very colorful fall. A lot of people don't know that. If you don't have a lot of rain, the colors in the fall are not nearly as brilliant. They're not nearly as vibrant. So it's kind of a little bit of a trade-off. A lot of times these high pressures give you gorgeous sunsets. So I'll take anything God gives. Amen? It is beautiful, and every bit of it is the heavens declare the glory, the earth the work of his hands. <clears throat> people say, well, what happened one day with those people that didn't have someone share Christ with them? Well, I'll just get some scripture. Hey, the Bible says that the very essence of everything that you see out there, the heavens declare God's glory. The earth shows the work of God's hands. Not one of us <clears throat> would go out into a woods, into the woods, even a hundred years ago. And if you found, okay, Marty McFly was able to go back there and he happened to drop a cell phone. And someone in the past, a hundred years ago, picked up an iPhone. You cannot tell me they go, wow, this is the wildest looking evolutionary uh, piece. They wouldn't, would they? What would they say? First thing they would say is, what is this? I wonder who made it. What does it do? And Lord forbid it would light up because they probably would lose, uh, they'd go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and end up in one of those insane asylums back because that would be way more stimulus. The same way that I would absolutely love for God to allow Henry Ford to come back and jump in my car for about 10 minutes. The only problem is I don't think his pumper could handle it because, you know, back in the early part of automotive, uh, the the... The evolutionary period of the automobile, they believed that if you went some certain speeds that you would disintegrate. Can you imagine getting them up to about 110 and telling them you better hang on to yourself because you're getting ready to come apart? But, you know, it's amazing how things progress as we understand, you know, the, the be but therefore, the more mankind progresses, you would think that the greater ability we have to say there's no way it actually speaks to a creator. The more wisdom that humans get, the more it displays the handiwork of God. So I pray that you are one that even in sharing your testimony with people, being able to let, hey, let the heavens declare the glory and the earth the work of God's hands because it will do that. I hope you have your Bibles tonight. We're going to look at one verse out of Habakkuk, a book a lot of people don't know a lot. Uh, they've not, many people have not even read Habakkuk. Uh, if you've not read through the Bible, most likely Habakkuk's not a book you're going, oh, Habakkuk is just one of my favorites. It's, it's uh, after Nahum, and it's right before Zephaniah. And Habakkuk's a really good book. A lot of people don't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, it's called Habakkuk. 
is uh, how it's pronounced. And sadly, a lot of um, a lot of the Old Testament part. This was all a, a, basically a prayer. <clears throat> and in this prayer, what was uh, going on at this time is one of the minor prophets, very unique in style, it says, rather speaking to people on God's behalf, Habakkuk spoke to God on behalf of the people. Habakkuk struggled on how to understand God's actions in history, especially his use of an unrighteous nation and the instruments of his justice. God answered Habakkuk's objection to that, then the righteous one will live by faith. Now, that kind of even ties in with what I was, when we were talking about on Sunday with Acts, how God allowed the Egyptians to become favorably disposed to the Israelites. It really is just God will use what and whom God wants to, and it doesn't matter. It's a lot of times really interesting because you'll think, you know, Abraham, you know, God had, there must have been this incredible lineage, and, and Abraham was a man that was known by people, and, and that was the reason that God, no. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about that quite a, quite plainly Moses same way God can use who he wants to how he wants to when he wants to and he doesn't have to give us an excuse or an answer as to why he does what he does he's still holy he's still righteous he's still just and as a matter of fact <clears throat> one of the hard scriptures to kind of <clears throat> justify in our human understanding is Romans 9 why, oh man, would you say to the potter, why did you make me this way? Does not the potter have the right, uh, if you've ever read that scripture, there's scripture in there that you just sit back, and I, I am so thankful that my parents taught me unconditional submission to authority, because when I read what the Bible says, I don't sit there and go, you know, I, I just don't buy into that. God can do whatever he wants to, and guess what? It's not going to be sinful, it's not going to be wrong, and it's not going to be unfair. God is God, and God can do whatever he wants to with his creation. See, we believe that God should function how we think God should function. We think that God should do what we think he should do when we want him to do it. He is God, and he answers to no one. And I'm thankful for that because God's holiness, his righteousness, ready, demands justice for sin. Therefore, the statement, and I'm going to say it again to you because it is absolutely the hardest thing in the world to hear, but it, is, it speaks better than anything to this part of God's nature. <clears throat> you have a household of people. Let's say you have a husband that rejected Christ or you have a wife that rejected Christ and you had a husband or a wife in that same family that re accepted Christ or a husband that accepted Christ. And you have two or three of the kids that did and then one that didn't. One day in judgment... If you or I were standing there, and we were standing right with the Lord, we had gone through the, the Bemis, the mercy seat, and we were standing at the great white throne of judgment as a testimony, whatever it might be, and we watched the very people that we lived with that we loved more than anything else come before great white throne of judgment because they had rejected the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. They made the conscious choice themselves because they, and God had an understanding or whatever their reasoning for it was, when that person stands before God and is told, depart from me. By the way, before they do that, they will bow and profess and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. Do you realize if this is your own wife, husband, child, you will worship the Lord when he casts them into outer darkness and you will praise the holiness of God. 
you don't have to like it. You have to get that sick feeling inside of thinking, I could not imagine doing that. Because if you or I did not do that, then what would, would, do, what would we do? We would be praising the unholiness of the enemy if we were to, in essence, curse God's holiness and his righteous holiness and justice, it demands justice. So sin, if God was to, because, well, that's, that's uh, aunt so-and-so, that's uncle, that's my wife, my husband, that's my daughter, my son. Oh, God, let them in. They did a really good job. They tried, Lord. They didn't understand. If God's like, oh, okay, we're going to let them in there, guess what just happened? Not only is God no longer God, but the heaven that he promised us, no more tears would be present in. There would be no more night. There, the old order will have passed away. That would all then be null and void. And forever, once again, here we once have come back around and God has allowed sin to enter his presence and therefore all of it makes no more sense and all of it's null and void. Because there is the promise one day that sin, hell, and death will forever be locked away in the abyss in hell and no longer are we going to battle with that. I'm so thankful for that though. That's why I think it's so important to do our part, but we also have to understand and actually as difficult as it is, accept the fact that others have a right to reject the gift of salvation. As bad as we don't want that for someone, they have their own personal right the same way that you and I have a personal right to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, whether somebody likes it or not, we have the right, and that is God's will for us, that no one, that what? None should perish. So again, I'm thankful for that tonight. I think about that thought a lot because I am one that wants to understand the holiness of God more. I think it, it gives me a better perspective on who God is what God's desire is, and I love the fact that I fear God. A lot of people don't believe that you should, why would you fear the same way as a parent? Should you, it's, it's unhealthy if you fear your parents. What? No, when my mother or father said something, they meant business. My fear was a reverent fear of my parents because when they said, if you do X, X is going to be the consequence of it. They were very good at fulfilling their promise, their statements. What they were doing is preparing me for a God that says in his word this, and when God says it, he means it. What it means when it says, many are there that go, the broad road, and then he says, narrows the road that leads to life, that's not what I interpret it as. It's not what I think it is. It means that broad is that road, and many are there that go. The broad road's easy. The broad road, you can make God to be whatever you want to. You can think that there's no hell and God's a God of love and nobody's going to go to hell one day and uh, death, right? Hell is what we're experiencing on this earth, as I've heard people say out of their mouths. And it's not a big deal because one day when we die, we're all going to heaven because Jesus died for us. Then I would tell you, I'd tell God himself, he's cruel. Because if God sent Jesus Christ to send all of us to heaven, why the moment that Jesus Christ rose from the grave did God not say enough's enough, it's done, and every person that has been or would be born, I'm going to take into eternal perfection and lock away the enemy forever because it, there would be no reason to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We don't have any obligation to repent because why? It is basically lock, stock, and barrel, buying in bulk. 
Jesus died for everybody and everybody's going to heaven. Therefore, God is not righteous, just, and holy because what he's done is defied the very conscience of those who would reject him. You're going to go whether you want to or not. And that's the free will that God gives us. It's so hard conceptually to understand for us. It is the truth. And tonight, we're going to talk about one of the attributes of God. Uh, there's going to be three things we're going to look at out of Malachi or Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 19, one verse. And for each one of the attributes that we're going to see right here of God being our strength, which is, O oh Lord, my strength is the title of the message, there's going to be a verse that affirms each one of these biblical truths, which I hope tonight encourages you to remember the imperative nature with which the strength of God is the only strength that we have. If you tonight are not in every way attributing the strength to do whatever it is God has you doing right now, not only are you misapplying the belief that you are the strength or you're able to do what you think you can do, but what you're doing is robbing God from the rightful place of getting all the glory and honor for the strength that he gives us to do what we cannot do apart from him. I hope you found the scripture again in Habakkuk chapter 3, well, one verse, verse 19. If you're able physically, let's stand out of reverence tonight for the of God's word. <clears throat> the Lord is my Lord and is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight for the truth that you are our strength. Lord, you are our God, our King, our everything. Father, thank you for this privilege we have to worship you corporately. Father, as we come to the middle of a week, a lot of times we face great obstacles and we can get rather discouraged. Or, Father, maybe others on mountaintops tonight that are so excited about what you're doing and are able to encourage others to the blessings that are going on in their lives as you're working through and in and through them. Father, tonight, hide me behind the cross, Lord, so that you may alone speak through your word as only you can. Father, I pray that you would do this all over the globe, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out like never before, and God, you would bring a mighty harvest of souls for the kingdom. Most importantly, Father, may you alone be glorified, exalted, lifted up. We ask this in Jesus' precious, righteous, and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So again, we're going to look at three things tonight. The first part, first part of verse 19 again. The Lord is my Lord. The Lord, sorry, the Lord, my Lord, is my strength. And I, you know what Jehovah Jireh is, right? He's God our provider. Jehovah Jireh. We're going to deal with some other ones in the coming weeks again. I reference them a lot, but I want you to, un, I want you to learn these. If, if you tonight have not heard Jehovah Jireh spoken, I want you to understand that's the, the God that provides. And tonight, the first thing I'll share with you out of that first part of, of the verse, verse 19, is this. Jehovah Jireh should be the only source of our strength. We've been crucified with Christ. We don't live, but Christ lives in us. So we don't have the strength as followers of Christ. We don't have the ability, none of the abilities you have in your life. If you're talented in any way, whether it's musically, whether it's an artistic talent, maybe you are an obsessive compulsive in your uh, organization, you're hyper-organized. Maybe you have a really good ability to grow a garden like nobody else does. You understand how plants are. My dad has that gift. He has one of the most incredible green thumbs of anybody you'll ever see. My dad, can, you can take him a plant that's just about dead, 
And it's amazing the times my dad's been able to bring that thing back to health. And you're like, it's like he's the, 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 you know, the animal whisperer or the whatever whisperer you hear. My dad has an innate ability to talk to plants. And God's just gifted him in that. But if you ever ask my dad about it, not only is he very humble in it, but he gives God all the praise and the glory for it. And everything that you and I possess, whether you are good at fixing automobiles or cars or Maybe you're just a person who's really good at empathizing or sympathizing with people, or maybe you're good with numbers. God's gifted us all in different ways, but that's what's so unique about being part of the body of Christ is the body of Christ is made up of many members, so it takes all of us. And that's what's so sad when people get caught into the mindset of, you know, I had never forget it. Many, many years ago, I had a person led to Christ. Family was growing in Christ. It was, God was really working. And one day the person had been there every service we had to stop coming on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And I, when I noticed that I sat, I said, brother, I just haven't seen you and uh, I've missed you because to me, not just because I'm the pastor, but because the, being a part of the body of Christ, when someone's missing, part of the body is missing. It's like having your hand gone. And I said, I've really missed you. And I'll never, I still to this day, and it's probably been 13 or 14 years. I'll never forget the response. They said, I've been doing pretty good. I just really don't need anything else besides Sunday morning now. And I, I'll never forget the heartbreak I felt recognizing this person needed us in their moment of brokenness, in their greatest moment of need. But now that they had, had, were at this unique place to actually minister to many people through what God had done, they didn't need it anymore. See, they didn't realize or did not want to or had become so self-focused that they didn't realize the blessing it is even to me and to others in the gift God had given them to be able to be an encourager, to pray with, because it was all about them. It was all about what they, they didn't need. The, see, God had brought them up, and it's time now to hang the Holy Spirit life preserver on the wall again and go about doing your own thing because God got you out of that bind you were in. Uh, but even now, the person is struggling with addiction. Things are not good in their life, and it's very sad because I know that that's not blessable. I know that that's not a lifestyle when you're walking in the fullness of Christ, but all of us have to recognize that if God is not your strength, if the O Lord of Lords is not your God, He is not your strength, you have no strength. You will walk in the strength of yourself for a short time, but I promise you there's a payment that's going to be paid because... The wages of sin is death, and as a follower of Christ, and you're a regenerate follower of Christ, doesn't mean you're going to hell if you, if you sinned in your lifetime or you got in a place at a, at a time when you got out there in left field, but God brings us to repentance, and the years, though, that many times are squandered as we get selfish, self-focused, distracted, or diverted can consume decades of time, and you get people that you'll see at 40, 50, or 60, 70 years old who get a sickness or a terminal sickness and all of a sudden begin to agonize over, and I hear it out of mouths, I could, ready? I could, past tense, have done so much had I not been so foolish. And everybody here tonight or watching online, we have the ability tonight to not only take every thought captive to the will of Christ, I actually remember yesterday, do, Monday and Tuesday were difficult days, and I, I'll I was literally at times having to either open my eyes when I was praying because the enemy was trying to attack me even in my prayer life. 
I would open my eyes up and I would just rebuke all of it in the name of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Christ, through the forgiveness of Christ, rejecting the enemy's desire for me to get angry or to get bitter in the things that he was trying to tempt me with at that time because I realized that all of the, the strength and all of the ability and everything that I have comes from him. And not for a moment can I ever take credit for that, but we've got to be careful because the enemy doesn't want us proclaiming Jehovah Jireh as our provider. He doesn't want us living a Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah is God is our banner. He doesn't want to let us grasp the magnitude of the book of James' call to be prayed over and anointed with oil when, it's, when there's someone sick. He wants us to think that that's a part of the apostolic ministry that's not a part of the modern-day follower of Jesus Christ armor, and not only armor, but the tool bag spiritually that God has gifted us with as followers of Christ. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us doing what I've seen so often is someone looking back with a, I wish I had. I wish I could have. I wish I had not been so focused, so selfish, so this, so distracted, so addicted, or whatever it was that came un under the umbrella of the deceptive tactics that the enemy uses. But remember, Jehovah Jireh should be the only source of our strength. And listen, please write this down if you have something to write with. Psalm 28, verse 7. Because remember I said there's scripture for each one of these things tonight we're going to talk about. Ready? The Lord is my strength and my shield. Psalm 28, verse 7. See, God is our strength and our shield. Guess what? He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. If God is our, in, in, in 28, verse 7 of Psalm, the Lord is my strength and my shield, is he yours? Because tonight, if you are not attributing the strength to him, then the strength's not coming from him. Who's it coming from? If it's coming from yourself, you know what? There's some deception sometimes when the angel of light's masqueraded. Got to talk to a couple of people over the last couple of days about angels of light. The enemy masquerades an angel of light as something good. And a lot of times I was sharing this because people were having some spiritual struggles or battles. And I said, what you got to be very careful of is a lot of times the enemy during these times that you are, as these people are doing, is starting to pray and giving God the ability to have a foothold in their lives, I said, he will appear as something really good, the enemy will. And he'll try to find that girlfriend, that boyfriend, that someone to come into your life as the, the magic fix to all that you're dealing with. And oh, they appear so godly. They're so amazing. They just love the Lord so much. You just met them last Tuesday. How do you know this? Well, I mean, they said they go to church on Sundays. If you not have, if yet, when did they profess faith in Christ? What is, what is the growth? What, are they, what discipleship have they been under? Oh, well, we hadn't talked about that. Well, how can you tell me that they're this godly person that you said, literally you're at the point of wanting to marry, you just met the person, you said they're this, how are they this godly? Well, they, they go to church, and they said they love the Lord. That's not the litmus test for seeing if someone is a follower of Christ, church. I'm just going to tell you it's not. These conversations are not only, not, not only just one, these are a multiple of conversations that you have to get into the real root of things to, to discern, discernment, spiritual discernment, 
to try to discern as God leads you in the conversations with someone to see if this is in any way an angel of light. They may be as bona fide and as real as it gets. But when you and I have set our standard as, well, when they say they go to church and they pray, you know, they're, they're a good, solid, hardcore Christian. I don't know what to say to you then. That's spiritual immaturity magnified. It's the actual manifestation of it if you were to look it up on the cover. You and I have to be like the Bereans, amen? When we hear something preached, we get in there, make sure it lines up with God's word the same way with someone proclaiming to be of us. What do we know? There's many wolves in sheep's clothing. So that's the same way that with our strength, we've got to to where it comes from. If you are being strengthened by God, you are recognizing Psalm chapter 20, 28, verse 7. You are professing that, proclaiming that. That is the reality of who you are. You are living. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when you minister to somebody and they say, I just want to tell you, thank you for all you've done. You have been an amazing this. And then they deflect it, right? Hey, just praise God. He's given me the ability to be able to bless you and to minister to help you. What's been done? You took the compliment. You were thankful for that compliment. But what you did is, is allowed them to see the Jehovah Jireh behind it all. The one that, it, that strengthened you and gave you the ability and the provision that was able to bless someone in the first place. And we didn't unrighteously, even not with malice afore, take the blessing or pat on the back that God should have gotten. What we always do is remember, it's not I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. This is the essence of our life. And then the second part of verse 19 is this. All right, so the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer. And that's really awesome, by the way, as I thought about that, uh, as, as God had me meditating on this this week, I was thinking about a deer. It was interesting today because I was able to see some deer, and, and they're, they're, you know, they're almost like friendly to us because they get so close. And I was watching these deer, and they're just sitting there looking, and I was watching how agile they are. And besides the one Monday morning that decided to run in front of a, a buck, I guess he's gotten a little bit wound up with the time of year it is, and he decided to go out there and challenge a vehicle, and i just tell you, it didn't end well for him. And I saw that thing on the way to work, and I was thinking, these things are so sure-footed, but man, they become so foolish at times, especially this time of year, amen? We know what that's a result of. But the sad reality is, these foolish things can make something that's so agile and has such great ability make some very foolish decisions. The same thing can happen to us. But when I think about the footing of a deer, if you've ever been in the mountains, same way with those mountain goats, when you look at the, the picture of Jehovah Jireh, we recognize the second thing I want to share with you tonight. Jehovah Jireh, and I, I qualify this with should, place every step. Why should Jehovah Jireh place every step that we make? Because of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's the verse that's attached to that tonight. You see a deer when they're in the rocks, when they're in these situations, they just gracefully, it's like every step is in the right place. They're not tripping like us humans can walk on flat ground and fall flat on our faces, amen? Those deer don't have that trouble. They're walking in grass this high. They're sure-footed. And that's what this is talking about spiritually. And that's why Proverbs 3, 5, 6 attaches to this principle because what do we know about Proverbs 3, 5, and the 6? Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not into our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him and He shall 
one version, direct your paths. Another one says, make your path straight. Some say, place your steps. It's all the same picture. So that's the beautiful part about it. It just ties in this because the feet of a deer are sure-footed and spiritually, guess what God desires for us? But are we in the humility of our condition as we are yielding our wants, wills, and desires and being empowered by the Holy Spirit going to allow God to place those steps for us? That's the question. Get mad at work. I'm walking out. Man, I'm sick of this. They're not going to treat me like this. One thing, if they're abusing you at your work and you go and you say, hey, you know, this is not the way that things are supposed to be. You've asked me to do this and all of this is happening. That's what followers of Christ do. And you begin to pray about it. And if God wants to move you, God opens the door and God ordains it. But when you and I walk out wearing our emotions on our sleeve, like our culture right now, what happens? We're not letting Jehovah Jireh, our provider, place our steps. What we're doing is taking the proverbial bull by the horns and we're going to get things straightened out. And that's not biblical, that's not godly, and that doesn't end up with us walking in the fullness of Christ. But see, tonight, that's why the, tonight's message title, Oh Lord, my strength. Is God your strength? Is he your Jehovah Jireh, your provider? And then we look at this last part, of verse 19 that finishes it up beautifully. I'll read the whole chat, verse again. The Lord and enables me to walk on mountain heights. And the third and final thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Jehovah Jireh will enable the impossible. Ties into what we're looking at on, on Sundays with Acts the impossible was happening with Paul because of Paul's yielded obedience and the anointing of the Holy Spirit as he walked in obedience, the floodgates of blessing had been unfurled in the life of the Apostle Paul. He got people so, if that's blessing, I don't want none of it. See, that's the problem. We attribute believing that blessing is the removal of any pain, any hurt, and if God doesn't heal someone the way we pray, you must not have prayed right. You must not be living right because, right, exactly, you done fall in that prosperity doctrine that everything that we think God should do, we fall into that deceptive belief that God should do it how, he, how we think he should do it. I don't know God's plan. Do I pray in faith? Do I pray with power? in the total understanding that God can do anything? Absolutely. And if I prayed over somebody fervently that, that God healed them and that they not continue to remain in this, this issue with cancer, whatever it might be, and, it, and let's just say three months later, they go home. Has, has God not heard our prayer? What, was there sin in one of us that prayed and that's why God didn't do it? Not at all. It's the fact that God's plans and his ways are not mine. We don't dictate how God operates. And God is to be glorified no matter how he answers those prayers. And we've got to be careful that we don't try to twist and believe and fall into the false assumptions that what we think God should do is an answer to prayer. And when it doesn't happen, oh, I don't know what happened. And we just clam up and next time pray with authority and power because we're embarrassed that it's not going to get how we think that it should be answered 
and we don't want people to think that maybe we're ungodly or something happened like that. No, we need to do what the, a follower of Christ who's walking the obedience of Christ does and understand that God's plan is God's plan. And God's way is God's way. And just because we think that things should happen the way that they should happen doesn't mean that they shouldn't. This is what I do know tonight. God can do the impossible. God can do the impossible with healing the same way that God with these animals. And I think about those, uh, what are these mountain goats. You ever watch the mountain goat video of those things? It's incredible. They are so sure, and it's such a picture of the end of that. He enables me to walk on mountain heights. They had somebody out in uh, Colorado last month. They were in one of those um, Polaris, um, those little things, those little four-wheel car-looking things. Um, and they had gone up to this mountain. And people ride up it all the time. And there were four people in it. And if I remember correctly, they're about 13 or 14,000, way up. And there's a mountain ridge they go up to, and then they go up the top, and they turn around and come down. And somehow up, going up this thing, the woman got off a little bit, and it began to roll. And it rolled about six plus hundred yards in a barrel roll. And then one of the, everybody was thrown out but one female, and that female ended up dying in that. But she lost her footing, meaning the person dropped, they, they lost their footing, and they went down the mountain. Those goats, they've got sure footing. When you and I are not allowing God to place our steps, we're just like that little UTV up there where, in my opinion, should have never been in the first place, where a person ended up losing their life and some other people were injured terribly. They were at a place where they were not able to remain sure-footed, but spiritually, that's what happens when we begin to walk in our own strength and our own power, not allowing Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We are walking with, a, in a sense, a banner of us over us, and that is not the obedience that God calls us to be. It's not about, well, today, I don't need you, Lord. I'm doing pretty good today, right? We don't, I don't need to go fellowship, Lord, because, you know, man, I'm hitting, I'm, I'm batting a thousand. It's not about that. It's understanding that, as I shared with you about my cousin, we have to remain desperate for Christ. Are you desperate for him? Are you desperate to remain, not to enter, to remain in his presence? How do you remain in his presence? When you pray without ceasing. That's what the Bible says that we're supposed to do as Christians. You can pray in front of somebody when they're acting the way they shouldn't be acting. You can literally subconsciously pray in front of them when you condition yourself to do it. I don't care how ADD you are or how confused you might get. I promise you, if you will pray without ceasing and commit to doing that, you can be in front of somebody who's talking bad, who's not doing the right thing, and you can literally be praying over them right then. Hairdressers have always been, uh, thought it's an awesome profession. Where else, as a follower of Christ, can you put your hands on somebody's head and they not know, but you're praying over them? Amen? So I know some Christian hairdressers that have talked to me about that, and I'm encouraged to do that. Encourage them. He got the greatest position in the, on the planet. You've got your hands in their hair, and you're able to pray over them, because guess what also? Every hairdresser knows more about everybody than anybody else on the planet. You've just got to be obedient and be willing to take the blessing of where God has gifted you the same way with Paul, being able to share the gospel with the governor, the kings, and all of these nobles, and all of these people that God had placed in front of him. 
But the obedience to do what God wants us to is that thing that we must do the same way that when we walk out in the woods, we can explain away God's beauty with some foolish scientific uh, explanation that we read off of some internet site somewhere. Or we can reject the foolishness that rejects the beauty and the creative genius of God, and we can say, God, Praise your holy name. Your creative genius is beyond my comprehension. You are infinite, Father, but I recognize I'm limited by my finite nature, Lord. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you are my provider, that you are my banner, that you are my everything. God, thank you for the opportunity to walk in the fullness of Christ as a follower of Jesus Christ. And then I'll finish up with why, out of that last part, I told you a verse for each one. Here's the one for the last one there. Philippians chapter 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You got a problem tonight that you don't know what to do with? I've got a God that you need to put in the middle of that situation you're dealing with. You got a spouse that's being unreasonable or a spouse that's a rebel or a child that's a rebel, a child that's a prodigal, a spouse that's a prodigal, a mother, a father, aunt and uncle you're anguishing over, why don't you get in God's presence like never before on behalf of them? Why don't you literally, like Job in the ash pile, get down in the ash pile, spiritually speaking, Lord. Hey, naked I came, naked I go, Lord. Giveth the Lord, taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, you know my heart about this person in my life. And God, I need a miracle. I need you to intervene. And Lord, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be perfectly transparent. You already know, God. But Lord, you know right now from the way it looks on the outset, it's not good. God, you know how hardened their hearts are, how bitter they are, whatever it might be. Just pour it out to him. But God, this is what I want to do. And you start praising him and proclaiming the truth of what his words, what does his word say? God can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but also that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And why don't we relegate ourselves to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? His power is made perfect in weakness. So once again, proclaim the reality that God, I can do nothing. And I am stuck now putting them in your presence, which is the greatest thing I could ever do. Because I know that, Lord, as I begin to pray for them and continue to pray for them, I am praying in accordance with your will. Your will is that they come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, Lord. And tonight, I begin. And God, I won't stop until them until they come to saving faith or Christ or I stand over their casket one day because the rebellious rejection of you they died lost from every understanding that we have and God I'll still make sure that at their funeral that the gospel message is proclaimed and maybe you can reach somebody as a result of it but I believe there's going to be a homecoming spiritually before they die and if you and I get serious about that prayer and serious about our brokenness over them and their brokenness over their sinful, broken condition, and we stop, especially if it causes friction. If it's causing friction, it's time to be quiet. It's time to stop talking and start praying. And you do not stop until they get saved. And then you proclaim in the assembly what God's done. You allow them to come here one day, fly in on a vacation or whatever it is, and you bring them in here and you say, hey, this is my brother, this is my mother, my, my father, my sister, whoever it is, and we've been praying for them, and I knew, and let that be a testimony to encourage others down the road. Those people you're praying for, and I ask every one of you that's down here praying, I know you've been going for a while now. I hope you're not getting discouraged. 
because we've got to remember it's God's timing, it's not our time. But we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you're doing is biblical because what matters to God, the condition of mankind's hearts, number one. And we know that when we're praying, they come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and that God raised up somebody that would minister to them or God would just break their heart by themselves, that God would just supernaturally through the Holy Spirit break their heart. But the end result in what we desire is to see them come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We know we're praying in accordance with God's will 100%, not 99, but 100%. And therefore, Jehovah Jireh will enable the impossible. God will do what we can't do. The same way with the prodigal son's father. Do you think, and I'm going to just tell you this because this is the hardest one for so many of us in this nation and this, this, this time in history. Are you that mother or father that failed to do what the prodigal son's father did? I wouldn't dare let them go out there in the world because I, uh, okay, just keep on doing it. You can love them, you can love them straight to hell because it's not my choice. I can't make the choice for you. Or you can do what God's word does and, and that father realized he could no longer allow the wanton rebellion, the sin and the rejection of everything godly to remain under his roof. He had to send them away. Well, I couldn't do that. You go right, like I said, you can love them right to hell. Matter of fact, not only that, you can dig a hole for them and put them in it. I shared that story with you about the mother up in Baltimore. Didn't dare want her daughter to have to go down to the, the drug dealer to buy the drugs, so mom went and bought them for her. Because remember, daughter was safer at home. I wouldn't dare have my little girl. She said, I'm, I'll never forget it. I've watched the whole thing. I wouldn't dare let my girl go out there on the street. At least I can keep a protection. I can, I can watch over her and I can be there. She buried her daughter. Her daughter overdosed in her bedroom one night with the drugs mom bought for her. But now mom was able to keep her safe. No, she wasn't. She dug the hole. She just doesn't realize she dug the hole and she put her daughter in it. Imagine though, if this mother had done what the scripture said and said, honey, I love you to death, but I can no longer be a part of this. And I know that righteousness exalteth not only a nation, but a people and a home and a family. And I love you. And when you're ready to repent and turn to Christ, I will be there for you. But until then, honey, I'm sorry, I can't even eat with you right now. Wonder what the outcome would have been. Could have been very different, couldn't it have? Because what she would have been doing is trusting God and actually truly demonstrating faith. But it's very hard when we get these human connections that we have and decide that, well, we, we don't want to believe it. Maybe that's, that's something they were dealing with back then. That would apply to me. Why don't you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and if you believe that applies to anybody else, i got to have a major conversation with you because you are extremely deluded. It says, well, such a person don't even eat. Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust man and your belief system that's contradictory to Scripture? Don't dig your kids' graves. Don't dig your wife, your husbands. Don't dig your cousins, your mothers, your fathers, your grandparents. Don't dig their graves. You trust Scripture and do what God's Word says. And number one, it starts with when you get serious about prayer. And I'm not talking about just praying for them. I'm talking about fervent prayer. 
Anybody know what fervent means? Fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much, Scripture says. That means it is nonstop. It is prayer with passion, sometimes to the extent that it breaks you down. It is prayer that you will not cease in because you realize it's a life and death spiritual battle. And if it only meant life in this dimension, in all honesty, big deal. It's over and done with, then we're done, we're free. It's not just that. We're talking about eternities here. We're talking about people that we love that apart from a work of God could die lost and without hope. And God forbid that ever happen. And hey, how do we win these battles? How do we have the strength to stand firm and be steadfast in that? The title of tonight's message, Oh Lord, my strength. Is he your strength tonight? Is he your strength when you're struggling with getting up Sunday mornings to come to church? Is he your strength when you're struggling to pray for someone who has mistreated you? Is he your strength when you're trying to forgive someone who's hurt you? Or are you walking in your own strength? And tonight, if you're doing that, you're not doing well. Tonight, is Jehovah Jireh the only source of strength in your life? And I pray it is because, again, Psalm 28, 7 tells you it must be. And he is our God, our King, our everything. And then number two again, hey, every step that we make should be placed by God in accordance exactly like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. And then finally again, Jehovah Jireh will enable the impossible. But the promise of Philippians chapter 4, 13 says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Where are you tonight in it? I'm so thankful to hear, and I hear many of you talk to me about how you're reading the Bible. Some of you who've begun to read it, others who've been doing it for, you know, 10, some of you have been doing it for this almost 16 years. This year be 16 years that I've been here. And, and you're excited about it, you share, and then the other ones that have started go, man, I wish I'd have done this years before. It's so exciting to know this because what I know is lives are changing, families will be changing, generations will be changing, and the, the power that God allows us in the building of the trellis here, it's a book called Trellis in the Vine by Mark Deaver at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, talking about how important the trellis structure is in a body of Christ. The vines come in church. You know what kudzu is, right? God's sending the cut, spiritual kudzu, meaning people all over this community, they're getting ready to build all these houses they're getting ready to build, those people need church homes. So the question becomes, are you going to be part of that trellis so when the vine comes, the vine's going to come, will the vine choke out the church or will the trellis support the vine and grow up to have a vibrant ministry that's able to be seen all over the world because of the faithful commitment, the convictions of others that realized, oh Lord, my strength God, I know that your desire is to do a mighty work through this body of Christ that makes anything that's ever happened in the 110 years or plus of the ministry years of this church. God, it's going to make everything that it's been done throughout history pale in comparison to what God wants to use this body of Christ for. My question to you and to myself is, are we going to get comfortable and say, you know, Lord, hey, I'm doing pretty good right now. I don't need this. I don't need that. You know, hey, we, we don't even need Sunday school, right? We're, still, we're doing so good right now because all of our kids, once they get saved, I mean, what more is there to it? And there's churches like that. And sadly, many of them are closing because of that mindset. The Great Commission is a commandment until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. And it's not going to stop. 
And you know what's going to happen then? All things are going to be made new. Night, is God your strength? Is God your rock? Is he your fortress? And what are you doing in kingdom work right now? What is your desire? I don't know if they found people for the nursery. Nobody said anything about it. My question is, maybe God's convicted you. You want to be a part of the nursery. Maybe you want to be a part of helping next year when we do Sunday school teachers change over. Maybe you want to start helping with, hey, fall festival. We've got a great opportunity this coming Sunday to minister to people who will be here that in some cases aren't even churched. But we can't say, Lord, I love you and it's so wonderful, but then not be a part of kingdom work. We are all commanded to be. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Is Jehovah Jireh leading you? If he is, you willingly will be a part of ministries because you recognize this is the ministry God has planted us in. And Lord, let me be used as the hands and feet of Jesus. God, let me be a part of what you're doing in preparation for what you're gonna do down the road. It may not happen until I'm too old and you or I too, but maybe our children cultivating the ministry of Longview goes not just now, it is forever. If we do not make sure that there's anything to pass on, we don't know when Jesus comes, but we, we believe he's coming back before our life ends. But what happens if it's not for, a th God's God. What if it's not for a thousand years? If we don't prepare, who's gonna take, the, who's gonna be the torch bearer? Who's gonna be the torch? Who's gonna be the next pastor? We can't find enough pastors for our association churches now. And in many cases, in all my sad observations, there's pastors in churches, sadly, that shouldn't have been there in the first place. We need to pray that God would raise up the next generation leadership. How is that done? By beseeching the throne of, O oh Lord, my strength. Our personal lives, our church life, your work life, in every, every individual interaction that you have with people, let God be in everything preeminent. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know we are sinners, we're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.